0: We're in a series called Tis the Season. And our title today is Tis the Season to Forgive. And when I think about the subject of forgiveness, I can't help but think about Joseph and all that he went through and how he handled and and dealt with the pain of the past. Look with me in Genesis chapter thirty seven if you have your Bible. Genesis chapter Number 37, we're going to begin reading. If you don't have uh, a Bible with you, uh, the Scriptures will pop up on the screen there. Genesis chapter 37 and verse number 3, the Word of God reads, Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age. I mean, you think your family is the only dysfunctional family. Can I tell you, families were dysfunctional back in biblical times. Here we have a father favoring one son. Scripture says actually that he loved Joseph more than the other sons. I mean, that is definitely dysfunctional. Scripture goes on to say, and he made a richly ornamented robe for Joseph when his brothers saw that that, that their father loved him more than any of them. They hated him. And could not speak a kind word to him. It's easy for us to to read that and just go on about our business and not really think about that. but, but, But really grasp what the scripture says. Can you imagine growing up in your family? Maybe you have siblings and can you imagine every day your brothers or your sisters hating you? Never having a kind word to say to you. Can you imagine sitting around the dining room table and your brothers and your sisters hating your guts? Never having a nice thing to say to you. And that is the situation that Joseph is in. His brothers hate him. They won't speak a kind word to him. The Bible goes on to say Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Now, I find that very interesting. I I was thinking about this. You know, it's one thing, you know, for somebody to hate you. I don't know what it means to hate all the more. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's pretty interesting, isn't it? His brothers didn't just hate him. They hated him all the more. Well, I mean, hate's bad enough. <laughs> but but they, the scripture says they hated him all the more. They absolutely despised and hated his guts. Isn't it true that the people who are closest to us have the tendency to hurt us the most? Isn't that so true? When we find Joseph, it's his brothers. It's, it's, his, own, it's his own family. It's his own flesh and blood that hate his guts and, and that are causing pain in his life and maybe for you it's a dad or a mom or a brother or sister a, a relative maybe it's your closest friend and and they've caused trauma and pain in your life and and that's what happened to Joseph and and the scripture goes on I mean there's just more pain there's just more problems in his family scripture says in Genesis 37 in verse number 11 his brothers were jealous of him and and primary reason was because of his dream but no doubt they were also jealous of him because their father loved him more they hated him they hated him all the more that they, they didn't speak a kind word to him they're jealous of him and to top it all off in verse 18 it says but they saw him in the distance understand what's going on Israel the the, the, their father he had sent the brothers out and they were uh, grazing the, 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 the cattle the, grazing the sheep grazing the herd and, and he sent Joseph to go check on his brothers to bring back a report and, and some assurance that they were doing okay so Joseph uh, under his father's uh, commandment goes out to check on his brothers and the Bible says when they saw him in the distance and before he reached them they plotted to kill him your own family your own brothers The people you eat with around the table, the people you hang out with, want you that. And the Bible says that that, that they didn't kill him even though they plotted to kill him. One brother rose up and said, let's don't kill him, let's throw him in a pit. Let's throw him in a well. Let's throw him in a, in a cistern and he'll, he'll die there. And, and, and they threw him in a pit and they threw him in a well. And, and, and there were some folks that came that were living from another country that were passing by. And, and they pulled him out the well and, and they decided not to kill him. But they sold him into slavery to another country. His own family. Can you imagine the pain? Can you imagine the hurt? Been hated. Jealousy animosity you trying to kill me and you sell me into slavery i'm talking about i have a reason to hate your guts the rest of my life because of what you've done to me and yet joseph was able to forgive his brothers and what i want to do today from the life of joseph is give you four steps to forgiveness there's no way that I have the time with you today to go into every aspect of what went, on, what went on in Joseph's life. But I would encourage you to read the life of Joseph. Would you do that this week? Genesis chapter 37. Read all the way through chapter 50. I would just take a couple, take you 10 minutes a day to read a couple of chapters. And I would encourage you to read this story. It's a powerful story of forgiveness. Step number one, you want to to, to, to walk in forgiveness, you need to forgive when you have the power, forgive when you have the power scripture says in Genesis chapter 41 and, and verse number 53. And, and when we pick up in Genesis 41 verse 53, Joseph is now second in charge of Egypt. He, he is he is the vice president of Egypt. He is now large and in charge. He is calling the shots. And, and that's where we find Joseph. The scripture says in Genesis 41 verse 53, the seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end, and Joseph had interpreted Pharaoh's dream. And the interpretation was this: from the Lord, he said, "Listen, there are going to be seven years of abundance. That the, the, that there's going to be so much food, and and so much uh, go, is going to be reproduced from for, from from the from the land. I mean, food, 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 crops, crops, crops. So much food that we're going to store it away because after the seven years of abundance, there's going to be seven years of famine. That that there's nothing. One of the worst famines ever." And so the Bible says there were seven years of abundance in Egypt, came to an end, and the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had said. There was a famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt there was food because Joseph put together a plan to store away food, plenty of food. During the years of abundance. Verse 55 says, when all all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, check this out. Go to Joseph and do what he tells you. Joseph is in charge. Joseph is calling the shots. If you want food, go talk to Joseph. Now, just jump down to chapter 42 and verse number 6. Joseph is in charge. He's distributing the food. He's selling the food. Scripture says, now, Joseph was the governor of the land the one who sold grain, to all its people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where did you come from, he asked. From the land of Canaan, they replied, to buy food. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, notice this, they did not recognize him. Joseph's brothers. These are the same brothers that hated him. These are the same brothers that were jealous of him. These are the same brothers that wanted to kill him. These are the same brothers that sold him into slavery. And now the tables, the tables have turned. And Joseph is, is in charge of Egypt. He's in charge of the food distribution because there's a major famine in the land. I mean, I mean, what are the chances of his brothers are now bowing before him? And Joseph's in charge. He has the power. His brothers have done him wrong, and he's got them right where he wants them. It's about to get ugly up in here. Got you, boys, where I I want you. All Joseph have all he has to do is say the word, and they're in prison the rest of their life. All Joseph has to do, he's in power. He's the vice president. All he has to do is say the word, and they're dead, and they'll never make it back to their father's house. He's in charge. He has he has the power. Friends, there will come a time in your life. Some of you, it's, it's already happened. Some of you, you're, you're in the season of it right now. Others of you, it, it will happen. It will happen. There will be a time in your life that some of the people who have hurt you the most will be at your mercy. And How will you respond? Maybe it's a dad or mom who neglected you who abused you and now you're an adult and, and they're getting up in years and, and, and they need your help because of their age and not ha- having the activity as they used to and, and they need your help and support and, and you've got them right where you want them and you start reminiscing on the childhood days and how do you respond when, when you've got the power maybe it's a brother or sister and, and they hurt you deeply and they disappointed you and they ridiculed you and, and now that you're an adult and they're an adult and they fell on hard times and, and they're looking to you and you're, you're thinking, help you? Don't you remember what you did and you have the power? How do, how do you respond? Maybe it's an ex-spouse and it was a nasty divorce and they said things to you that you'll never forget and maybe now you are in a situation that, that they're in need, they're going through pain, and, and they reach out to you, and, and you've got them right where you want them. How do you respond? How do you respond when your closest friend that you trusted in and confided in stabs you in, in your back? And, and now they're in a time of need, they're in a time of crisis, and they reach back out to you. How, how, do, you, how do you respond? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, your response should be the same as Joseph's. You should choose to forgive those who have hurt you the most, even when you have the power. So, Pastor, how do I do that? That that leads me to point number two. Point number two, how, how do we accomplish that? Number two is this. The second step to forgiveness. Understand that forgiveness is a doorway to God's blessings. A doorway to God's blessings. Genesis chapter 41 and verse number 51 says, Joseph, this is prior to his brothers arriving on the scene in Egypt. This is before that transpires. Scripture says, Genesis 41 verse 51, Joseph named his firstborn son Manasseh. and 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 Manasseh literally it means it is because God has made me forget all my trouble. I named him Manasseh because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. Joseph said, I've been through pain. I've been through hurt. I've had a horrible past. People have let me down. They have hurt me. They wanted to kill me. But you know what I've done? Somehow, some way, I was able to give this over to God. Somehow, way, I was able to release the bitterness, release the pain, Released the grudge, and I was able to give it to the Lord. He says, somehow, some way, through this process of, of walking with God, God has helped me. He has done only God could do this. God has done a work in my heart, and I have been able to forgive my brothers. And God has helped me forget all that they had done to me. And and scripture goes on to say. After Joseph was able to forgive and after he he let it go, he he didn't keep the bitterness alive. He he, he released it over to God. Verse 52 says, the second son he named Ephraim. And this name literally means it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. And here's what I want you to notice. He, Joseph said, first of all, God made me forget all of my trouble from my father's house. God, God helped me to forgive and, and to forget. And, and then he said, after I, was, after I forgave and for, forgot what my brothers done to me, he said, I had Manasseh. And God made me fruitful. God blessed me in the land of my suffering." But but here's the key. Before you can have an Ephraim, you first have to have a Manasseh. And so many people are saying, I want God to bless me. I want God to make me fruitful. I want the Lord's help. I want the Lord's hand. And yet they're walking in bitterness, and they're holding grudges, and they're resentful, and they're retaliating, and they're hateful. And Joseph said, listen, listen, before I ever had an Ephraim, I had a Manasseh, and somehow God helped me. I'm not minimizing the pain. They did me wrong. They stabbed me in my back. They neglected me. They hurt me. They sold me into slavery, but God has helped me to forgive. God has helped me to forget." And because I was able to have a Manasseh, God has blessed me and I've had an Ephraim. And the Lord has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. And the tragic thing is this. Some of you are followers of Jesus Christ in this place. And you're missing out on God's best because you haven't had a Manasseh. Your past is eating your life. You're bitter today. You're holding grudges today. You're retaliating. And you're missing out on God's best. You have to have a Manasseh before you can have an Ephraim. Matter of fact, this principle shows up in, in the New Testament in Mark chapter number 11. The context here is Jesus is teaching on the subject of prayer. He's talking about how, how, to, have a, how, how to have an effective prayer life and as you know as a follower of christ one of the most vital components to our relationship with christ is our prayer life is us communicating with the lord and him communicating back to us and, and jesus teaches us in this in this portion of scripture how to have an effective prayer life how to get your prayers answered mark 11 in verse 24 jesus said therefore i tell you whatever you ask for in prayer Believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Jesus says you want to have an effective prayer life when you pray, when you ask your heavenly father for something. You have to believe, you have to have faith that you have received it even before the answer has occurred. That's the key. You have to live by faith. And the scripture talks about the just living by faith. He says that's a key component to your prayer life. But it doesn't stop there. In verse 25 he says, And when you stand praying, When you're having your devotional time and you're reading God's Word, maybe on your couch at home and you're talking to your Heavenly Father, you're presenting your request to Him, maybe you're driving to to work on on a Monday morning and you're cruising in the traffic and you're just talking to God, God, and you're communicating to your Heavenly Father. Maybe you're at work at your desk and, and you're just having a conversation with your Heavenly Father. And the Scripture says when you stand praying, wherever that may be, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him. So that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Jesus said, you want to have an effective prayer life? When you stand praying, you need to forgive those who have hurt you and have done you wrong. Otherwise, you're not going to get to experience my forgiveness. Your prayers are going to be hindered. You see, before you have an Ephraim and God blesses and you're fruitful because of the Lord's hand upon your life, you have to have a Manasseh. You've got to let go. You've got to forgive. You've got to let God do a work in your heart. Hear me today, church. Hate is hard. Or forgiveness is hard. It's really hard to forgive. But, but, but can I tell you, hate is harder? It really is. Hate is so much harder. It causes you to miss out on God's best. Have a manasseh so that you can experience God's blessings upon your life. Point number three. There's a third thing that, that I want you to see today. Realize that God is in control. Realize that God is in control. One of the major secrets to, to forgiveness is realizing that God is in control of our lives, even in the bad times. Now, friends, hear me today. So many people, they'll, they'll say, you know, I know God's with me. God's in control. He, he's, the, he, he, he's leading my life. He's guiding me. God is in charge of my life in the good times. <laughs> But but when things are rocky, when, when there are dark days, when, when things are not turning out like you thought they should and you're experiencing pain and, and you're experiencing isolation, so many people have a hard time saying God is still in control. And one of the major keys to forgiveness is even in the bad times, you must understand that your Heavenly Father is still in control of your life. And friends, that is how Joseph was able to forgive his brothers. He truly understood that God was in control of his life. Matter of fact, this is how I'm telling it. You, you have to take time to read all of this for yourself. Genesis 37 through to, to chapter number 50. I just want to sum up what Joseph said. His perspective on all that he had been through. Genesis chapter 50 and verse number 20. He was talking to his brothers. The ones who had hurt him and violated him and sold him into, into, into slavery. He said, fellas, you intended to harm me. You tried to hurt me. You tried to kill me. You sold me into slavery. You had evil intentions toward me. You intended to harm me, but God. Come on, everybody say, but God. Come on, I want you to think about your situation. Those who have abused you and those who neglected you and those who raped you and those who let you down and those who walked out on you, those who have spoken evil to you. Come on, I want you to begin to picture those who have done you wrong. Get them in your mind. Everybody say, but God. Come on, but God, he says, you tried to hurt me, you tried to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives. Joseph said, I know you meant it for harm, but God still had a plan for my life. I know you meant it for harm, but God is still in control of my life. God still has the last word, even though you've done all this evil to me. God is in control. And friends, you have to be confident today. You have to be confident in all that you've been through, all the pain you've been through, all the disappointment you've been through. You have to be confident that your Heavenly Father is still in charge of your life. And friends, can I tell you something about God? God always wins. Come on, just turn to the end of the book and read. I said God always. God always wins. No matter what they've done to you. It might be a dad or a mom, a brother or a sister. It might be your best friend. They have let you down. I want you to know that God is bigger. God is in control. And the reason that so many people won't forgive, the reason that so many people try to get even is because they really don't understand and they really don't have a deep conviction that even during the bad times, God's still in control of my life. God has the last word for my life. And this, friends, is the secret of Joseph's Joseph's ability to be able to forgive his brothers. He looked back at his life. And he understood that God would take all the evil his brothers had done to him and turn it for his good. And friends, you truly have to believe that. You have to know the heart of your Heavenly Father and His Word and realize that God will take all the evil that was done to you and He'll turn it for your good. matter of fact, the New Testament talks about this very principle in Romans chapter 8. In verse number 28, a very famous portion of Scripture as the Apostle Paul was inspired by the Holy Spirit writing to the church at Rome. He wrote in chapter 8 and verse 28, and we know that in all things, everybody say all things. I mean, that's the good and the bad. That's the pretty and the ugly. In all things, the disappointments, the hurt, the abuse, the neglect, in all things, God works for the good. God will take all of that negative and he will work it for your good. Some of you are in a dilemma today. Because your dilemma is this, Pastor, I've been through evil. I've been through hell. I've been disappointed. They have talked about me. They have done me wrong. And it has been years and I have not seen God work it for my good. Well, you have to understand there's a condition to this verse. This verse is not for everybody. You see, the scripture says this, and we know in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Those who are committed to Christ, he's Lord of their life. My life belongs to you, Lord. I'm following you. I'm living by your word for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And the promise is this, if you love God, if you'll serve God, if you'll surrender your life to God, if you'll live by his word, no matter what you go through, no matter the disappointment, the setback, the pain, they stabbed you in their back, no matter how they neglected you, God said, I'll take all of that and I'll work it for your good. You have to understand that God is in control no matter what you go through. And that gives you the ability to forgive. I close with point number four. Here's where it gets difficult. Here's where so many Christians fail. You see, it's, it's, it's right here that many blow it. You see, many of you would say, I believe that, Pastor. I believe God's in control of my life. I, I love the Lord today, and I believe that God has the last word. But here's where people blow it. Point number four. Don't play God. So many people blow it. Don't play God. Listen to what happens in Genesis chapter 50 and verse number 15. The scripture says, When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? Notice this, they, they thought this, they thought, hey, the only reason Joseph has been nice to us, the only reason this powerful man, second in charge of Egypt, the vice president, the only reason he has not got even and got and retaliated is because of our father. Now that daddy is dead, Joseph is going to get ignorant on us. Joseph is going to hurt us. Joseph is going to retaliate. Joseph is going to do something mean to us. So they sent word in verse 16 to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to Joseph, notice this, Joseph wept. He, he was broken. It's, they thought Joseph was going to retaliate. And he just began to weep because God had done a work in Joseph's heart. And humanity says, retaliate, get even, you're, you, you're second, you have them right where you want them, respond, get even. And Joseph wept. Guys, I've forgiven you. God's working in my heart. I've had a manasseh. I'm not doing, I'm not, not, I'm not, not going to retaliate because of daddy. I'm not going to retaliate because of my heavenly father. And he's trying to work in my heart. And the Scripture says in verse 18, His brothers then came and threw themselves down before Him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Joseph said, I'm not going to play God. I'm not going to take matters. You did me wrong and you hurt, but I'm not going to take matters into my own hands. Am I in the place of God? Friends, hear this. Hear this. Hear this. You will never experience... All the good that can come from the bad until you understand that God was with you in the bad and then refuse to play God in the good. you got to do that. You'll never experience all the good that can come to, from the bad until you realize God was with you when all the bad happened and then when God turns it around and things are going good, refuse to play God. When things are good and Joseph said, I refuse to play God, I'm not going to retaliate. I'm not going to get even. I'm not going to hurt you, even though I have the power to. And friends, here's here's the real issue. Some of you today, you're playing God. You're a Christian, and you're retaliating, and you're getting mean, and you're being hateful, and you're being vindictive. You know, here's tis the season. It's the Christmas season, and, and you know, these memories begin to come up during the holiday season. You're thinking about family and those who have hurt you, and some of you are going to see family members, and... And you want to know? You don't like them. That's why some of you are. I want you. You gonna know I don't like you at Christmas time, because I'm not gonna buy you a Christmas present. Oh yeah, you gonna know. Everybody else is gonna get one, and you won't get one from me. Oh you gonna know? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm gonna retaliate. I'm gonna get even. You're gonna know I don't like you. Everybody else is gonna get eggnog. Are you gonna get this two percent milk? That's it. And I might water that down. You better, huh? Because, yeah, I don't like you, and I want you to know it. You gonna know that I. Don't you know I don't like you? You Better bring your own food over to my house because you ain't eating our Christmas dinner. I mean, that's how, yeah, that's how you are. And you're playing God, and you're getting even. And the scripture says in Romans 12 and verse 19, do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. God says, I'm the one that avenges. I'm the one that gets even. God says, I will repay, says the Lord. But the only way that I'm going to repay, the only way that I'm going to step in on your behalf is you don't take revenge. You don't play. You don't play God's. See, friends, we're not called to play God's. We're called to act like God. And there's a major difference. We're called to act like God, not play God. Let me tell you how God acts. God forgives those who have done Him wrong. Friends, we've all blown it big time. We've all broken our Heavenly Father's heart with our sin. We've all disappointed God very deeply. You know what God did? He didn't kick us to the side. He didn't say, get away. I can't believe you did that. You knew better. Get away from me. I can't believe you hurt. God did not do that, even though he has the power, even though he holds the universe in the palms of his hands. See, so I think what I choose to do, I sent my son down across a cross, while you were yet a sinner, while you were yet my enemy, I gave you what you didn't deserve. And I'm asking you to do the same for others. To give them what they don't deserve. And that's forgiveness. And the scripture says in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Why? Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Don't ever forget. God extended his mercy. In spite of your sin, in spite of your faults, in spite of your mistakes, He extended His mercy and His grace to you. And He forgave you of your sins. And God said, because I was willing to, even though you deserve hell, you get heaven. Hallelujah. Even though you deserve turmoil, you get peace. And because I did that for you, you do that for others. Serve me Some of you are holding a rock of unforgiveness. You've got your hands wrapped around a rock of bitterness, a rock of resentment. And can I tell you today, would you take the rock and would you release it? Would you give it to God? I'm not trying to minimize the pain. I know what it is to see my parents' divorce. I know what it is to grow up and experience abuse. I know what it is to grow up and be disappointed and hurt. And I also know what it is receive God's forgiveness and I know what it's like to have a heart that God changes a heart of love I know what it's like to see people that have done me wrong and say I love you I forgive you you don't have to be nervous around me I'm not trying to get even God has worked in my life and he's forgiven me so I choose to forgive you church tis the season to forgive Lord Jesus, thanks for working in this place. I pray that your Holy Spirit would begin to minister.